Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Edit audio. When I was in the sixth grade, I was a huge tomboy. I lived for playing football and kickball at recess, and I had zero understanding of what the gaggle of girls uh, wearing tight Jordache jeans, I might add, were doing as they sat in circles on the playground singing ACDC songs and gossiping about boys. I know there's a lot to unpack in that sentence. Anyway, my teacher, the lovely and amazing Mrs. Sincata, pulled me aside and told me that I had to figure out how to fit in with the girls because change was coming. Ugh. She was obviously talking about puberty and all the gendering and separating that happens. Now, there may be less of it today, but it's still a thing. So she was offering me a hand, trying to help me fit in with the girls. So she offered me a dollar for every day that I wore a dress. Now, that was big money back then. But even for that kind of cash, I couldn't do it. Wearing dresses was not who I was. It's still not, if I'm being honest, though I will pop one of those things on for a wedding or a commercial audition if required. But even then, I sort of feel like I'm in drag. And that moment with Mrs. Sincata was the first time I was forced to confront the idea of fitting in, of other people's expectations of who I am versus feeling like myself and okay in my own skin. I had to decide what was I willing to lose in order to be me, to feel like myself? Hello, folks. I'm Robin Hopkins, and this is Well Adjusting, where I talk to people about life stuff, but, you know, not in an NPR way, more like a we're at the bar and we're having cocktails and I am getting into your business sort of way. Oh, we love a cocktail. Oh, and producer Steph is here, too. Oh, yeah. Hi, that's me. Today, we chat well, dressing for success, but also dressing to feel like yourself. Ooh, Larkin. I love this interview. Okay, I love all my talks with all my people on this podcast, but I especially loved this one. Mostly because it seemed like this surface level topic, which is how do you dress in the workplace so that you feel like yourself, but still fit in with corporate culture. But we took this conversation deep and intense, and we covered a lot of ground from insecurities to being a baller badass bitch. Wait, can I can I still say bitch stuff? Yeah, I'll I'll allow it. Okay, sweet. All right. Let's get on with our badass selves, shall we? (laughs) Okay, whatever. (laughs) Steph. My name is Larkin. I am 26. 
I grew up in Virginia. I use she, her pronouns and identify as queer, Asian American, and I work as an interior designer in the city. So I moved from DC, Washington, DC, and I worked there for a few years in design. And now I work here in New York. Um, It's a client facing profession. So every day, basically my job is meeting clients and we're on a rotation with all the other designers. And so essentially your turn is what you're given. So you make the most of it. So it's a lot about your experience with this certain specific client. So like if you make a good impression, their first, I guess, like picture idea of who you are really matters. Mm -hmm. So that first interaction, I would say, does make me very conscious of what I wear and does make me feel like, I do have to dress up. I would say like it's very different in New York rather than Mm -hmm. D.C. I think it was much more um, political, corporate down in D.C. But here it's like what designer piece are you wearing? Are you wearing a suit? Are you wearing this and that? And just like as long as you look good and as long as you look fashionable and presentable to a client, it's kind of like pretending you're a rich person talking to a rich person. I feel like so much of grown-up life in the workplace is pretending, like just having the loudest voice in the room, sounding like you know what you're talking about, not speaking up speak when you ask questions. Like these are, you know, because that makes you look like you don't know what you're talking about. So much of it is what you project. But I mean, I have like a million questions. Like, what is your style? Well, I feel like um, my fashion is like two sides of a coin. Outside of work, it's super casual, very queer. I feel like I have a lot of queer friends and like to go to queer spaces, so can express myself like that. What does that even Um, look like for you, though? Like, because it is an audio show. So what does that mean? Because to me, like, and I'm an older, I wouldn't even say queer, I'm just like an older lesbian. mm -hmm. So like, to me, it's like t-shirts and shorts. But that's not at all what it is for you kids. I mean, sometimes they just sound... (laughs) No, not at all. I feel like sometimes it is just like teacher in shorts. I feel like it's um a lot about like accessorizing for me. Like I wear like a lot of rings on my hands, which ultimately feels very queer. So that's how I maintain some authenticity to who I am, even when I'm dressed more corporate. But I don't know, like fashion for me is just like whatever I feel really comfortable in. But mm-hmm. also at the same time, I want to look trendy and cute. So. Isn't it interesting though that... I wouldn't necessarily equate rings as queer, but it makes you feel queer. And so therefore you feel like you're walking in the room represented as something that is part of you. You, Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I never want to walk into a space and not feel like myself. And and that Mm -hmm. happens in certain spaces where everyone looks different from me and is maybe really together. Like years ago, Los Angeles, the entire city of Los Angeles gave me like absolute anxiety because I was like, everybody looks put together and I feel like a disheveled mess that I am (laughs) you know but it's like it's it's, so much of it is a feeling it is I think that's what really what it comes down to like how when you look in the mirror how do you feel do you feel confident do you feel like it's yourself there's a lot of times where I feel like I am pretending in the workplace well but I feel like my favorite work outfit is and i feel like my colleagues are so tired of me wearing this suit but it's like burgundy maroon suit already love it (laughs) and then like like black doc martin loafers and then either like a black button up or like 
some sort of cool like tank top that can be a little bit interesting, but not too crazy. So what's you in that outfit? Definitely the loafers. I love Doc Martens. I heard that immediately. I was like, I heard Doc Martens. I was like, that's her gay part. Yeah, I feel like that's a a secretly being gay, you know. A nod and a wink. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That and just like, I don't know. I feel like pretty confident in a suit. Okay. I feel like even though it's more corporate, if I do it in like burgundy or a fun color, it feels more queer, ultimately. What do you feel like is expected of you in the workplace that you may or may not be doing or that you're resistant to or just maybe like what do you think are the rules that you're supposed to be playing by that you're objecting to? Ultimately, I feel like I am in a workplace that's very accepting of queer people, which Mm -hmm. is nice, but mostly male identifying queer people. It's design, so you're going to have a lot of gay men as your designers, which is totally just part of that kind of career. But at the same time, I feel like the expectation is, I don't know, like you're a part of the queer community. So we really want you to show up also and like represent, especially mm-hmm. in the workplace. That being said, I, I love all my like gay coworkers. I think that I'm the only queer female in the office. So Does that put a pressure on you? Definitely. Um, I went to my colleague's wedding about a month and a half ago. And I was the only woman in a suit. And I was fine with that. Yeah. But it's very like, I feel like heteronormative space, especially if you're a gay man, you just wear like a suit, you know? In right. Those just spaces. a fabulous, expensive suit. Exactly. In your line of work. Right. I mean, exactly. I'm stereotyping, but <laughs> I mean, I feel like I was a phys ed major at one point. Stereotypes exist for a reason. I was Steph's, a phys ed major at some see, point too. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Steph's probably going to cut this because she thinks it's like <laughs> leading into like the, the man and the patriarchy, but it's like, it, it is real. <laughs> if anyone could see producer Steph's face right now, she's literally making the face that's like, Robin, we've Focus. talked about this. You should do better. <laughs> okay. So we'll have to talk phys ed later, but okay, go back. Go ahead. Yeah. Ultimately, I do feel like I have to show up and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And- I can do that. But, and tell me if I'm wrong, to a certain extent, it's not fine. Not fine in the sense that it's affecting you. And it's something that you have to think about as you go into the workforce, right? Or when you go into your day. Right. Yeah, it really is. Like when I get dressed for work, sometimes I have a moment of panic because I'm like, oh, wow, I already know that my female coworkers are all going to be wearing like high heels and dresses today. My male coworker is going to be wearing button downs. And I'm like, hmm, well, I like consider wearing a dress for like maybe all of a half of a second. And then I'll put on pants and like a suit and just be like, okay, you know, this is fine. And I kind of blend into the sort of the guys of the office. It's quite interesting, actually, because I work for a French company. So a lot of my male coworkers are French and mm-hmm. they all smoke cigarettes. So it's it's interesting, like. None of the girls smoke cigarettes. So it's this like weird kind of thing where if I'm wearing a suit, like I'll go out and smoke a cigarette with some of my French colleagues. And I feel like one of the boys almost, mm-hmm. and it's like accepted. So I think it's quite interesting how I can like fit in in that way without fitting in. So I don't know. You know what's so interesting is like, as you were saying that I, I had this thought of like how clothing and, and how you present yourself, because clothing is the initial way that people make a, you know, a judgment about you, right? They go, oh, she's the middle-aged lesbian. Like just based on sight, people make judgments. But what's interesting is like, it goes beyond that. You're now talking about having to find a place of like, oh, I go out with 
the men I smoke or like I'm afraid the women are going to judge me or like there's all these like little subsets and it all leads with presentation at work in some ways. It's like that undertone of like all that stuff that's happening underneath that's not in the company regulations. Do you know what I mean by that? Like the co- the corporate culture that's underneath that's hidden but is happening. Right. No, that's so true. I feel like there's so many like nuances to company culture and I've never gotten a warning for how I'm dressing or anything, but there's definitely like But you wouldn't. Yeah. Right? They would never say that to my face because then it would No, come but you off might as- just miss opportunities or you might be passed over. Not you, but one. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, strangely, sometimes I feel like it's in my head that people are looking at me differently. When really, I feel like everyone's just trying to act normal. Like, it's a very normal workplace. I feel like sometimes I feel a little bit out of place, but I feel like at least my close team really like has my back for anything. They're yeah. like, "Oh yeah, you should totally wear a suit to the wedding. Do it." Yeah. But then, like, you know, other people in the larger corporate, I think, are a bit different. Well, like, as we're talking, I can't help but think of, like, two things. Like, what is the subculture that's actually happening? And then what is your um, perceived concerns or you trying to find your place? There was this lesbian that I met when we first had our kids, and she was so fucking cool. Um, Shout out to Ruth Rowe. I hope she's listening. Like we we met them at like the center and they had a kid around the time same time we did. And she was like this engineer and she was this fucking powerhouse of a lady with a mohawk. And I was just like, she was like a badass. And her wife was so cool. And we went to their house and all my wife and I did was walk around and be like, I just wish we were as cool as Ruth Rowe and, and her wife, Amy. We were like, how do we be as cool as Ruth Rowe and Amy? Like they had this gorgeous apartment. Every single thing was like, oh, that's a clock from, I knew where it was from and that's from design within reach and everything was so put together. But tying it back to what you're talking about, Ruth Rowe, oh my God, I'm gonna have to get permission from Ruth Rowe, but <laughs> no, no, I'm just gonna tell Ruth Rowe. She's had this kind of an impact on us, but she as far as I could tell, her style was very sort of like, you know, masculine, but she just looked really cool. And she had a confidence about her that we were very drawn to. And I bet she killed it in the workplace. And I knew other people who knew her in the workplace and her, it seems like her career is really successful. And she's not playing into any stereotypes and engineering is a male dominated area as well. I think in general. Um, And so what I'm getting at in a very long winded way is it seemed like she led with confidence and with style and she felt at home within herself and then everybody accepted her. And so I'm wondering with you, like, where is it between, is it maybe like you're not feeling at home in yourself and maybe nobody else even notices or on the other side where there's this culture and people do notice or somewhere in between. I feel did like you even follow the thread yeah, of that. Cause no, if you did, I'm, I, you're my hero. <laughs> I think I understand what you're saying. I feel like it's a spectrum of like, am I internalizing all of these feelings of doubt Mm -hmm. and everything is really fine? Or are there like some moments of judgment when I'm, you know, dressing a little bit more like stereotypically queer? Mm -hmm. So I think honestly, it it's kind of in the middle. I think there's always going to be like, you know, when corporate comes to town or when there's like bigger corporate gatherings i think something that's expected is for everyone to always look nice because we are client facing and um 
if I do dress a little bit more stereotypically queer, I think it is noticed, but I don't think anyone would ever say anything. And I feel like I I just try to lead with confidence. Like, yeah. um, And stereotypical queer would. doesn't have to mean disheveled. In my case, it does. But it doesn't have to mean, like, you could come in in, in a fucking power suit that's actually you bought off a man's rack and and lead with confidence and be rocking it and it looks super professional you do work in an industry that's more creative and then you're in new york which is a bit of the bubble right right i do feel very lucky in that sense like i do feel like i did pick an industry that does have a small group of queer individuals and it is very accepting but at the same time it is corporate and sometimes mm-hmm. I forget that. We have a little bubble at like our personal showroom where I feel like very included, very accepted, very close with my colleagues and we have fun together. Mm-hmm. We go to dinners and we do things together and it's super fun to have like a nice community there. But like I'm saying, when it's like a larger group, it does feel different. Yeah. So I have yeah. to be like hyper aware of that when there's, you know, different people that are higher up in the company coming to town or which is true of anyone like you don't show up at a wedding and in your best they could be the coolest like gucci shorts does gucci make shorts stuff okay they do thank you um (laughs) but you wouldn't wear that to a wedding you know there is time and place and there is like understanding time and place of your company and of the corporate you know the rules that are written and the rules that are underneath you know so it is a quagmire of what to do right it but what's, what I find really interesting about our talk is I've just never given a fuck about that because I was always just like, I hate this. It's stupid. I don't want that. Like, I want to be comfortable. I work better when I'm comfortable. I'm optimized in shorts. If you put me in a dress and I'm feeling chub rub, guess what? I'm not going to be optimized. I'm going to be thinking about the chafing that is happening between my slightly chunky thighs. As I walk to the bathroom, I am not going to be thinking about the deck that I'm supposed to be making. So like I've always argued, why can't like I'm not saying everyone should come in in pajamas, but why can't I come in comfortable? But the reality is, is that that's not the rules at a lot of places. So for me, I chose a place where I could make the rules worked for me. Um, But for you, I feel like there's an underlying confidence thing in, in the question or maybe confidence is an unfair word. But like uh, an underlying, like, I'm trying to find out who I am in these spaces. Yes, yes. That feels more fair. Yeah, honestly, you hit the head on the nail. Like, I mean, the nail on the head. I whatever hit the expression. I hit something. Yeah, you got it. I Should feel half like a drink a, in, guys. A half a drink in. Only half a drink. Yeah. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> Keep drinking. I feel like um, being a queer person in different spaces is always like a time of discovery. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Can I be more queer in some spaces? Can I be less queer in other spaces? And it's like all trying to balance being authentic to myself at the same time as like adhering to the rules. Like sometimes I worry about making people comfortable, like my clients. I don't want to be too overtly like queer in some ways because I don't want the interaction to be about that. I would just want to do my job and design people's homes. Is that who you are in most spaces as a person that doesn't want to make people uncomfortable? Does that bleed over? Yeah, I'm working on it. Honestly, I feel like I'm a people pleaser sometimes, but it's like kind of an end of that era for me. Yeah. I feel like you could take up more space. 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, we just met, but it just is like an instinct I'm getting. Like, I don't get any impression that any part of you would be leaning in so much I'd ever feel uncomfortable. I feel like you yelling, I'd be like, I can barely hear you. <laughs> like, you know, no, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. kind of do now. <laughs> like, what would you feel I... like you need to do so you felt represented and like you were taking up space and like you were wearing what you wanted to wear? Well, I feel like I definitely don't take up much space and I never have. I feel like um, learning myself and like the different identities that I've had, like, being adopted, being oh, queer. Oh, I didn't know that. That's oh, interesting. Yeah, another layer. Yeah. Yeah. Adopted, queer, Asian. It's just like a whole mix of like, who the fuck am I, honestly? There's so, a lot of places where you're looking around and going, where's my place? Where do I fit in? Those are all, yeah. every one of those in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just figuring that out and like really like getting a sense of who I am, I feel like... um in college, I was like president of the gay club, which was super fun. And I feel like I really like came into my queerness at that time. Do you think you did that because you wanted to stake a claim in it? You were like, this is part of who I am. Yeah, I just I, I feel like I'm the type of person who when I'm like trying to figure something out, I really have to push myself to figure it out. Otherwise, I can stay complacent and just be chill about it. So I feel like that's why a lot of the time, like with fashion in the workplace, I'm always super conscious of it just because I'm like, where do I fit in in this part of my life versus like, I mean, I I have the same like, oh my God, what do I wear when I'm going out like on a date, like for dinner with my girlfriend or when I'm going out. I feel like when we did the free call, you were like, "How how do I dress for the pride parade? We were like, girl, oh, yeah. just like yourself. Like, just <laughs> this, of all the places to be worried about how you dress, mm-hmm. the Pride Parade is not one of them. That's the one place where you could just do anything you want to do. Yeah. But actually, like, before New York Pride, I feel like I had a lot of friends who were queer who were like, oh my God, what do you wear as a queer person going to Pride if you don't want to be like over the top rainbow or you don't want to be like. Right look like it's your first pride ever and you were an ally the year before like sorry i don't know you can cut that no i love that i mean i uh never want to make anyone feel bad about that it's a journey for everyone carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you because at carmax we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car you should love your car That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Even when you're solidly 
fully formed in a certain identity, it's still hard to figure out how you want to represent that identity every day. It is true. And I'm going to take back something I said earlier too, like about the Pride Parade, because like 90s, me and my best friend, Heather, shout out to Heather, um, we always felt so left out in the lesbian bars because at the time it was very butch femme and those the nary the two shall meet. And we were like, we were just like gap girls. We were like in our, you know, best nice t-shirt and some like jeans. And we were just like, we're not that, but we're not that. And we always felt a little left out. Like that person is attracted to that person, but not because there was this very like butches are with femmes. And that was, there was like this very segregated sort of thing. And I did feel like I didn't fit in. And like, I've always looked at myself like, do you know the game Trivial Pursuit? Yes. So you know how that your your game piece is a little like a pie holder. And then you put in a little slice as you as you go along the thing, right? I always personally felt like my gayness is just one slice of my whole thing. Like, And now today as a, a mom and a wife, like me as a performer, me as a friend, me as a writer, me as um, a gay person, me as someone who loves sports, me as like, those are all equal parts of who I am. And, you know, my identity as someone who struggled with weight, that has been front and center out in the world. I always think of gayness and weight as that thing someone can say about you when they're mad at you. And I assume, like, being a person who's Asian, that's a thing someone can say to hurt you. A bad person, obviously. But, like, I was with my kids, and the first thing they said to me, someone was mad at me, and they said, and I saw them start to say, you fat, and I saw them stop themselves because I had little kids with me. And I remember a time when someone called me a dyke and it was like, I knew that was like the base thing they could say about me to hurt me because they could just do it. And it's just a physical appearance. So physical appearances matter, but it was never, none of those things were ever how I present myself. Like I'm, I'm me. I'm like a loud lady who enters and I want to make you laugh. Like that's, <laughs> that's how, that's the biggest portion of my trivial pursuit thing. And so I feel like you are trying to find your slices and what's what and how you feel solid in them. Yeah, that's a really good visual representation of the identities, honestly. I feel like um, my things that people would see are like, I'm Asian mm-hmm. and I'm queer. That, those would be like the two things. And if they know me, I'm adopted too. And I feel like those identities are all like, they're all even, but I've been called dyke. I've had so many people that I've come out to as queer and then they're like, oh, okay. Right. And like, would like reference me as their like lesbian friend. (laughs) And I'm like, great, glad that that's my only identity. Thank you for that label. I was on the playground when I was in literally first grade I remember it so clearly and I was super athletic as a kid. So I was like doing the monkey bars better than this guy who was a couple years older than me. And his friends were like making fun of him like, ha ha, she can do that better than you. And he's like, whatever, she has ching chong eyes. And I went home and I was like, mom, what does that mean? And she was like, oh my gosh, that's so terrible. And, you know, called the principal, wasn't a fun time, but I feel like those experiences really like make you think about how you're perceived to other people. Yeah. And like that those identities can be either used against you to insult you or that you can embrace them and you can find power in your own identity. Absolutely. And what I've learned is that the only way that the power is gone 
is when I no longer care. You know, like mm. if you were to say to me, you're not even funny, I'd be like, you're a fucking idiot. I'd be like, go ahead. Like I always say that to my kids. I'm like, if you want to insult me, say I'm not that pretty. And I'll be like, why would you say that to me? Because like that's something that I might still be insecure about. But you can't tell me I'm not funny. I'd be like, okay, whatever you need right now, go ahead. If If you have insecurities around it, it has power over you. I care less about someone calling me a dyke today than I did when I first came out. Like then it was devastating, but it's how do you get to, I like, I think where I'm going with this is I feel like that's what's behind the clothes for you, not what you think it is. I, I wish that we had the technology to pull like 10 of your coworkers right now without them knowing why we were pulling with them and ask them what they think about your style and ask them if they associate it with queerness. With, and I'd be willing to bet that they'd be like, oh, she dresses awesome. That Like that suit you described to me, I, it sounds so cool. Yeah. But you, do you know what I'm saying? Like I would love yeah. to pull people because I bet it's not what you think it is. That may be true. I guess maybe it is like an internal kind of battle of like, am I fitting in? Because I feel like that's always been a kind of thing for me for a mm -hmm. long time. Like fitting in because of all of my like adopted Asian queer. Yeah. I feel like it was like kind of like those three hurdles that I had to jump over. Those are all like hurdles that make you feel othered. So that makes sense that you would yeah. feel that way. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think that it's like more of like an insecurity thing. Like if I own different parts of my identity, then it doesn't get to me. Like if someone calls me a lesbian or a dyke, I don't really care, to be honest. Because it doesn't mean, because you're fine Because I'm it. like, whatever, I'm comfortable in that identity. Thank you. Yes, that's me. <laughs> but then I feel like fashion is a thing for me because if someone does offend me, then I don't know. If I was insulted for like what I was wearing, I, f I feel like it would actually make me feel bad. So what, what do you do about that? What do you need to step into to get to the same place that you are with your queerness with fashion in the workplace? Hmm. I think that I just need to stop caring somehow. Yeah, the somehow is important there. Because yeah. it's one thing to say it, and it's another thing to do it. Sometimes I'll hold back with the, the outfits that I'll wear to work. I'll be a little bit more, like, boring, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, safe options, safe sure. is always good. But I think I just need to start like throwing myself in there and taking risks like I did with like in college at the gay club, things like that. Just like push myself in certain directions because I know I need it, even though I don't want it. I also wonder, should you maybe ask some coworkers that are safe in a, in a way that's not like, like, Waited. Do you know what I mean? Maybe you're out for some cocktails and and broach the subject and just be like, "What do you think of me in fashion? Like, do you think I look super gay? Do you think I look this? Do you think I look unprofessional?" Like, I don't know if you want to give that power over to someone else, but I wonder if it would just be an interesting dialogue to hear feedback from other people because I I sense that this is a conversation that's only happening in your head, and I'm a firm believer that sometimes when the conversation is only in your head. Uh, you have one perspective and it's often skewed because it's skewed with your own insecurities. Right, right. I feel like I am an overthinker sometimes. Well, so. who's not, lady chairs? <laughs> but I feel like um, I could do that. I could ask them. I'm not saying it as an assignment. I'm just saying consider it. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I mean, again, we've said this a million times on this podcast. I have zero accreditations. <laughs> um, I don't even know if that's the right word. That's how 
few accreditations I have. I wonder if you just woke up and you looked at your outfits and you were like, this makes me feel good. I feel like um, the burgundy suit was like, that's my first piece that I was like, I need, oh, I'm going to need like, a picture of you it. in the burgundy suit. I don't suit. care. Like, I'm just going to like buy this. Yeah. And I wear it all the time and I totally need to get more suits. I feel like you should use the burgundy suit as a indicator of when you've nailed it. And you should only buy shit that makes you feel in the ballpark of the burgundy suit versus what you think everyone else thinks. Because we don't even know if what you think everyone else thinks is real. True. That's totally true. I am going to challenge you for the next like six months when you buy something, you, you go burgundy suit, not burgundy suit. And if it's not, you put mm-hmm. it back. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really good, that's like a good like level to hold myself to. Cause you know, like I'm kind of a shopaholic. It's really bad. I'll just like buy like random shirts and never wear them. So I've started to stop doing that. That's a good I, thing. I'm a, like I'm I only stop doing that. I only thrift now and I'm like, I don't want to buy any fast fashion but it's really hard to find like a good solid piece sometimes. It sounds like you enjoy shopping. That's true. So if I you do. enjoy shopping, let's just raise the bar of what you buy and then see if when you go into the workplace, does it change the conversation? That's a good idea. Do you remember a time at work where you felt particularly judged about something you were wearing? Yeah, I think it was. Actually, in D.C., I was, like, kind of figuring out my style at that point. I think that D.C. is, like, way more of a corporate Mm -hmm. kind of, like, you know, a lot of, like, government jobs and all of that there. So it was, like, very much wear a suit or you wear, like, a dress. You wear hideous flats and it's just, like, not the vibe, honestly, for me. So I think, like, when I first got there, like, I would really like try to assimilate and like I worked this like design job in Georgetown and like the lady was nice but like like you know first job out of college you don't have a ton of money (laughs) you're like coming into your queerness this and that and like and you're coming into your professionalism at that point too like when you're just out of college what do you know about what the workforce wants from you it's not easy so it's like the first week of work I start this job you know, I have like dress slacks and like loafers that are kind of ugly, but whatever. <laughs> and like a short sleeve button down. But like I had these clients and like the job I had was like with a, this design firm that had a lot of real estate agents. So they're all like dressed to the nines, looking super, super good. Like it's like off of like Love Island. They're like, you know, <laughs> hair done, nails done, whole face makeup done. They're wearing like some designer whatever suit and like, I don't know. I just felt like like I had to observe a meeting and I just felt super judged by that environment. Did they do something in particular to make you feel judged or were you just like, I mean, because sometimes someone can just that, say hi to you and, and start here and look you up top and down and that's enough. It was the once over. It was like, oh, nice to meet you. Fake smile with the like, like oh, with the, half-hearted, with the, with the limp wrist, the limp limp wrist handshake, handshake. and as they're like smiling, they like do like yeah. that thing oh, where I they look that look, look at your eyes, look up and down, and go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that was terrible, terrible. Yeah, it really got to me for a little bit, but then I was like, whatever, I don't care. Like, I'm like basically the admin assistant, so like, 
Yeah. Whatever. But those moments stay with you. Have you ever worked with like a manager or someone who like would show up as themselves at work? Like would dress as themselves and like did, did that you work for Ruth Ralph workplace culture? Oh, I wish Ruth seems cool. That's a good question. Yes. Um, the office in Washington, D.C. My boss, Brian, shout out to Brian. He was one of the best bosses I've ever had. Queer, fun, like older gay man. Not that old, but um, super, super sweet guy. I feel like he would wear the most fabulous outfits. He always had on the best cologne, smelled really good. He really just like dressed how he wanted to, though. He could wear like a blazer with some like you know, like some pattern on it, a little glitz, little glam, like a t-shirt that, you know, work appropriate, but could be a little bit sheer. Maybe like really kind of breaching the boundary. Yeah. Like pushing that a little bit, but in a way that was really tasteful and nice. And yeah. I feel like he kind of taught me that as long as you look good, you feel good, you're confident, like you can dress how you want to in the workplace. I do think that is true. You can get away with a lot if you are saying yes to it. But if mm -hmm. you're coming in apologizing, people pick up on it and it's over. You have to put out what you want from people. Right. It's difficult to do, but mm -hmm. like that's why I always go back to it's a worth conversation underneath this. Right. I mean, yeah, that's honestly what it is. I feel like I learned so much at my time in DC in that office. Brian was like not only a mentor, but also like a really close friend. And it was just like really nice to like have like an older queer person in my life. Because I feel like I've been around like younger and same age queer people and like that's great and everything, but we're all kind of like, it's like the blind leading the blind, to be honest, at some point. So I felt like that was really good for me and like allowed me to see like, oh, you can be like queer, older, married, with dog, you know, it's great. Do you feel that any part of your discomfort and your identity at work is because you're starting with a new team and you have to like prove yourself to them? Mm. That's a good question. Yeah, probably for sure. I feel like, um, I don't know, moving to another city, being in New York, I feel like stakes are high. Mm -hmm. With a new team, it was very much like, how do I fit into the equation? How do I navigate this identity, this and this? But I feel like figuring out how I fit in the team while being under pressure to sell furniture to rich people, you know, it's like a, like I don't have much time to contemplate like my identity and how I fit in. Sometimes it's just like about do your job. So maybe it is like a new team thing. It could be. But it a could new be a team could lend itself to you not feeling as comfortable or confident as you normally would. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think it all goes back like that's this layer and then underneath it is this and then underneath it is this. Yeah. But what's so interesting is I have a similar thing where I get really freaked out. But normally in new groups of people, I'm more willing to be like crazier. Like I'll have my tits out more or whatever really? I want because I feel like they don't have like some preconceived notion of me so I can be myself and I'll show up as who I am and then I just exist to them in that in that way yeah. and to me that way is me. Yeah. Whereas if people have like slowly gradually gotten to know me, especially in like a work setting with like clients that I've had for a long time, I'm like, OK, I have to like, you know, maintain this idea that I was faking for, you know, five years. Yeah. And also somehow like feel like myself. 
And I think what's interesting about what you said is when I asked that question about like your new team, I was expecting you to be like, no, it's better here because I'm in New York and it's new. And I kind of like, you know, people literally move to different cities to like redefine themselves. Like I exist here. No one knows me. Clean slate. Like, let's fucking go. But you said the opposite, which is just interesting to me because it really does prove your point that it's about like internal worth because you could make that new situation yeah. whatever you want yeah. it to be. Yeah. I should be like, oh, I'm in this like New York bubble. Don't say should because that's unfair to you. Mm. Someone's been Thank to you. therapy. I also feel like my workplace is like very formal at times, even though it's casual, like day to day, this and that. At the end of the day, it is really about your appearance. So I'm always thinking about that. I still feel like you can be formal and true to yourself. For sure. For sure. I just think you have to feel confident. And I think you have to get other people out of the equation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're totally right. It's like, maybe I do get in my head, but it's also like a very like high stakes kind of job. Well, it's your... It's your future and you care about it. Yeah. Right? I do. I do care about it. And work is important. I just feel like... um, I, I think... I don't know how I feel. Hmm. You're at the beginning of a journey. Mm-hmm. In the way that you went to college and you said, I will be president of the LGBTQ association, you know, whatever that was called. You were like, I'm doing that. And then you stepped into your queerness. I think you're at a new phase that you're about to step into who you are in the workplace and what feels right to you, what feels true, what feels like a badass boss, what feels like a power you, like the most work powerful person that you are. And you're at the beginning of that journey. And I I think all we're doing is talking about what's underneath it, which is to me always a really cool thing to do because I think sometimes an outside perspective will go, hey, did you realize you say that thing all the time and I'll go, do I do that? I do that. You know, so it's like you're at that point where you're discovering like, oh, I do do. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. And then what's really cool to me about that is now there's space for you to step into and to play and to experiment and to find you in the new space. That's so true. I feel like this is kind of like therapy for me right now. I didn't mean for it to be because again, I'm I'm not accredited. (laughs) Honestly, like, I'm still getting used to, like, New York, fast-paced, this Mm -hmm. and that, and, like, so much social activity that I feel like I'm, like, in a place where I finally, yeah, I was overwhelmed at first. I feel like now I'm finally catching up. I'm still, like, at the the beginning of figuring out, like, these things about myself that, like, I just, like, haven't had time to think about, to be honest, and I haven't, like, really delved into. I want to say this. I bet you are way more of a badass in the workplace than you know, number one. Number two, I can't wait to see your version of that badass suit every single day and you just finding your own space because to me, the whole thing is just you feeling comfortable. Like to me, that's all I care about is that you feel comfortable and you feel confident and you step into it. And what I think is really cool is that you came and you and you shared this question with us, and this has been such a really cool and way deeper conversation than I thought we were going to have about clothes in the workplace. And so I'm so glad you showed up and, and we did this and, and we had cocktails. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I didn't expect it to get so deep, honestly. It was a really nice conversation to have and like it really highlighted a lot for me to think about. 
and marinate on. So I appreciate that. So this was such a good conversation. This is great. Thank you. And by the way, by the way, and by the way, by the way, and by the way, whether we are talking about clothes or vacation days or whatever, corporate culture can be confusing. There are the rules that are written down in that handbook that HR gives you on your first day, but those aren't the only rules you need to be aware of. Be on the lookout for those underground, hidden cultural rules of a company. Find your style, be yourself, but if no one is showing up in PJs, you may want to think about stepping up your wardrobe game. No one is saying you need a tux, but find that line that is you, but also fits your company's vibe. The inner you that wants to be promoted will thank you. It is that time for our expert of the day. Carrie is a kick-ass executive who retired before 50. Uh Uh-huh. And now she's sharing her wisdom on fitting in and being yourself in the workplace. My name's Carrie Sullivan, and I was a corporate executive at Nike for a number of years. What's funny was that when I came from New York, I was overdressed. And so I freaked people out because I was wearing suits and I had a clipboard and I didn't fit in and I had to learn how to dress casually. And that, um, that's the advice I would just give is to try to just move into how you feel comfortable and just do a uniform that works for you, that is comfortable and can work. And then it becomes kind of your signature. And especially in a design creative environment, that's even more cool because I had one gal that worked in our team that wore this long black skirt every day. And I was so envious because she looked so comfortable, but then she just would put a denim jacket on, put a leather jacket on a different blazer, like a t-shirt, like a, a boots and heels, like, but she had a signature black skirt that I thought was genius. And it kind of simplifies because then people hear you. It's like Rachel Maddow's suit, right? You know, Rachel Maddow, like she just wears the black very simple makeup, no jewelry, no static. So then your voice is heard. Like, do you want people to hear you or do you want people to see you? Right? Because some people that are seen are bags of bullshit. They like are just that. I'm serious. Like they're just that. They look awesome. They're cool, but they just don't know what they're talking about. They don't have the respect because their words are wishy-washy or they don't know they're not subject matter experts but you can still be inspired by the way that they walk their confidence the way they carry themselves if you're in a creative environment it's just something to observe in other people and then who do you idolize in your office everybody has like the office crush or you're intrigued by somebody or you just are like wow that person is freaking awesome The pressure on women to show up in certain ways is there. It has always been there. When you're presenting, that's when the nerves go through the roof because you know everybody's critiquing you from your eyelash to your eyebrows to your shoes and how you're walking and how you're carrying yourself. So to get through that, it is a centering. They're here to listen to me. I have subject matter expertise and they're here to listen to what I have to say. I'm already here. Why not give yourself that? I am already here. I exist. I exist at my desk and I exist in a boardroom of 500 people to present. 
you have to have that inner dialogue. You have to like connect to your own sense and your own wisdom and just breathe into that. How do I want to be? Give yourself time. It's not an overnight thing. A haircut is not going to solve your woes. Like bleaching your hair is not going to solve dealing with an asshat in the office. It's just not. I think self-possession is the key to walk with grace. Oh, that's right. Carrie is not messing around. Oh, I love all that advice. Okay, friends, that is it for today. But before we go, I do want to say so many thanks to Larkin for sharing her story with us. And of course, thank you to Carrie for her kick-ass expert of the day advice. For more Robin, and you may need that, you probably don't need it, but like if you do, you can follow me at Real Rob Hops on all the platforms, all the socials, as the kids today say. Well Adjusting is an edit audio original, exec produced by Steph Colburn and Robin Hopkins. Thank you to Maria Passingham, Kathleen Speckert, and the whole edit audio team. Hey, y'all, I have a question for you. Have you been listening to Well Adjusting and secretly or maybe not so secretly thinking, geez, I have a problem. And I bet Robin and producer Steph might actually be able to help me make some headway. Now, if that's the case, I have to tell you, this is your sign from the universe to reach out to us about being on Well Adjusting. I'm telling you, it is a sign. Get in touch. It's so simple. Just email us at hello at editaud.io, or you can hit me up on the socials. I'm at at RealRobHops on all the platforms. And I have to tell you, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the show. What is it that you are waiting for? Hit us up. Let's solve the world's problems. No, okay, that, that bar is way too high. Let's, let's just have some laughs and, and get into it. We're going to all feel better for doing so, I swear. Thank you.